<laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> All right, yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Massive Attack Podcast. My name is Joe and with me tonight as usual is Mitch. Haters gotta hate. Hi everybody. <laughs> so that wasn't directed at you, that was a Joe. So we've had a month since our last recording. Both of us have kind of been a little bit sick, haven't we? I had the flu and... I had, had, I don't know, some gastric problem. Excellent for weight loss, I'll give you that. Not really something that you need to know on the podcast, <laughs> but it just means that we've had a little bit of more time to do some gaming and some other stuff. Lots of gaming, yeah. Yes. So we'll be talking a lot about gaming later, but before we get to that, as usual, Mitch, you've been to the movies quite a bit. I, I have. I and am my usual trip out to the Astor Theatre, which I seem to plug a lot at the moment. But how much do they pay you each month for mentioning the Astor Theatre? Not enough. Yes. Not enough. Yeah, I went and saw a double bill of The Raid Redemption, which is a Thai, Muay action film extraordinaire, and it was on a double with Beat Takashi's Outrage, which is violent in another way. So I'll talk about our Outrage first, because that really didn't... It didn't impress me much. Like it, Thank you, Shania. <laughs> it's a Yakuza film, and it's, it's slow... It's violent, like it's brutal in its violence. It's sort of like a lot more... Oh. Understated? No, no. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not understated at all. It's just a brutal, I suppose, is the okay. fact that it's just there, but very Japanese. So is it's fascinating a... to watch in that, like the rules of the underboss and the boss and, and how it all works and dueling families or dueling Yakuza gangs. So it was interesting, but being the second bill in the world's most uncomfortable seats, I was, I was getting rather antsy by the end of it. And uh, yeah, don't know if I could recommend it. It was good, but yeah, if how, you like that sort of stuff, maybe. How did the Japanese kind of do their take on the Yakuza? Well, I, I, I assume it's accurate. Obviously, he's Japanese and it's a about the Yakuza like obviously the Yakuza have got a lot of influence from the 1950s American gangsters yeah, like just the way they dress, the suits and the big black limousines and all this sort of stuff. And there is a scene in it where there's sort of a young protege Yakuza guy and he's he's dressed more with the chains and the clothes and it's almost like they're inspired by the American gangster with an A yep. kind of thing. So I think they're very influenced. Obviously, it's a it's a very old tradition, the Japanese organised crime. It's been around for hundreds of years. Yep. So they've got their own traditions. But whether, yeah. you know, I, I, I really don't know enough about it. But yeah, obviously, the shiny suits are gone. It's oh, okay. all black suits now because I've heard it's actually illegal. Like there is a staple of Yakuza uniform almost was the very shiny silky suits, like silvery sort of color, yep. the gray. And apparently it sort of became illegal, if not frowned upon. So the police would hassle you if you okay. wore those sort of things. So it sort of became a no-no to wear. And then they went into like Cosby sweaters, didn't they? I don't know about that one. Oh, I, I remember reading, I think it was Chris Jericho's book about how when he was working for New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Yakuza has a bit of a hand in New Japan. And he was saying there'd always be a section of the crowd of like you know, middle-aged Japanese men with their Cosby sweaters on. And he kind of made fun of it once backstage. And one of the Japanese locals was like, you know, don't mess with those guys. They're the, they're the bosses sort of thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Did but, you not know that? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really know, think I've seen a Japanese Yakuza film. Like I've seen the American take on it in was it Black Rain with Michael Douglas? Yes. And like your showdown in Little Tokyo and stuff like that. That kind of shows the Yakuza. But yeah, I don't really know a lot about them. Yeah, I mean it was it was interesting. But like I said, it being the second film in a double bill, it was I was getting rather bored at the end because it is very slow paced compared to the Raid Redemption, which is amazing. Yeah. Quick premise of the film is you've got a SWAT team and they've been taken to a high-rise tenement building, which is the home of a big crime boss who pretty much everyone in the building pays him rent. A lot of them have crimes or they're hiding from the police or something to hide. No, okay. So therefore he owns the building and owns them and they work for him and he protects them. So, you know, they've got a vested in interest in keeping him. So it's a secret sort of mission to go in and take him down, which has never been able to be done before. So you've got this SWAT team of Thai cops going up level by level trying to get to where he is and shit goes down <laughs> and it's pretty damn amazing like it's violent as hell I mean there's a lot of gunfight and things like that and some of the some of the stunt work is pretty amazing and the fight scenes like I've shown you yeah, we, we watched a little, one of them one of the fight scenes yesterday just yeah and there's probably I'd say there's probably four long fight scenes and it's it's Muay Thai 
So it's all elbows, knees, and it doesn't look sped up. Generally, you can tell if a film's sped up or not. Yeah. This looks in real-time speed, but it's quick. Yeah. It's ridiculously quick and brutal. And you're just thinking, wow, as one review said about it, it's like um, life is cheap in Thailand, so you pay. You can just do whatever you want to st- you know, to stub persons, just fuck people up, it's fine. Yeah. But it really is some of the best fighting I've seen in a movie. Okay. And it got to a point, there was one fight scene towards the end where it was long and relentless, not like they live fight scene with Roddy Piper, where <laughs> at the end you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, six yeah. minutes of this, this is two big slow guys lumbering and hitting each other very hardly. That's fine, this is not it. This is three guys fighting, and it is probably five minutes, if not longer. I just It feels oh, like longer. Yeah. And it's you're just amazing watching these people. And it ends rather brutally, even though, obviously, no spoilers here, but the good guy wins in, the, in this fight. And it's not the end of the movie, it's, just a sub-boss fight. It's like a computer game. It sounds like it, because they're going level to level through pretty, the building to get to the boss. Pretty much. And it's got a brutal finish to the fight, in quite visceral. Yep. And when I'm sitting there with the crowd, and they applaud it, and it's like, I really don't know if I want to be in a crowd with people who applauded that, because it's a nasty thing that he does to the oh, other okay. guy. And then I thought about it more, no, it was a release. Because we've sat there, and I, probably all of everyone, we've forgotten to breathe for the last couple of minutes, because you're <laughs> sitting there just watching this thing happen, and you're like, oh my fucking God. And then, eventually, it's over. And you're sort of like, oh, thank fuck for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, sweet. It's fantastic, so I can't recommend it enough. If you like action films, it's, it, it is fantastic. It, I don't know how much it costs. I heard it was quite cheap, but it looks great. It does doesn't look like a cheap film where Ong Bak looks okay. Like, it doesn't look cheap compared to something like Born to Fight, which yeah. I've shown you, yeah. which is, it looks cheap, but the stunts are amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic. And um, I noticed there's a trailer for the new Judge Dredd film, which is out later this year, I think. Yeah. And it's essentially a remake of this. Oh, okay. Like, instead of a tenement building in Thailand, it's Mega City One, and there's this giant mega skyscraper thing that's run by a mob. Um, a crime boss and Judge Dredd and a bunch of other judges go into this building to take him out and doing it there so I thought oh it's a bit of a rip off but then after watching the raid I thought well if Hollywood are gonna make this there's no way they could remake the raid without being a straightforward action film and without those five-minute fight scenes in the middle of it, it's going to get quite dulled pretty quickly. So at least putting a sci-fi twist on it and that sort of thing, it should be enough of a different movie to remake it and, make, and, and give a new take. Okay. Now, you said you saw that at the Astor, but I think it's already out on DVD. I, I think so, yeah. It's definitely around. Check it out. It's worth it. Definitely mm. worth it. I might have to check that out. Now, you also saw another movie that we talked briefly about last episode that we were going to discuss, and you're a little bit more disappointed than you thought you would be. Uh, Batman Dark Knight Rises? Yes. Was that the one? Not disappointed, because I actually wasn't expecting a lot. I actually went in with low expectations because I was... The rule of trilogy shows that the third one's always going to be terrible, and it wasn't terrible. Except the Lord of the Rings series. I look at that one big film, really. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's a good film. It's much better than any film about a comic about a guy who dresses up a bat deserves to be like we deserve we don't deserve films these good yeah. unfortunately the expectation put on the first two put the expectation on the third one huge like we were expecting the next bloody citizen kane yeah. and we essentially got the citizen kane of batman films with these three Christopher Nolan has given us a great thing but it still has flaws like I have issues with the first one I have issues with the second one I have issues with this one I'd probably say it's probably the third best of the the three yeah I I prefer the first one as a standalone movie because the first one holds together a little bit the best I I enjoy the origin story of Bruce Wayne all the Bruce Wayne stuff is really good the Batman stuff is kept to a minimum and and it's really effective in the first movie second one the Joker is phenomenal I cannot fault the Joker if it was a Joker film by all means it would have been the best ever but the the Harvey Dent storyline they sort of laboured and hit you over the head with the symbiology of the two and the black and the white and the, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And it sort of hurt the film a little. Now, I don't know if that was because Heath died and they sort of had to do more with it because I heard maybe that the whole Two-Face storyline was going to be for part three and they were going to extrapolate and build to that. I'm not, I don't know for certain. Yeah. But there are issues with the second one. It's not a perfect film. It is a perfect performance by Heath Ledger, which makes the film even better than yeah. what you think it is. Yeah. And the third one, again, it is good, very good, but it's still got issues. And yeah. unfortunately, when you go in with the expectations and you want to be taken seriously as a film, this isn't a movie. This isn't The Avengers. The Avengers was a fun popcorn flick, but you went in and you had a ball and you went home and it was fine. This is trying to be more than that, I think. Yeah. So you go in and go, okay, I'm watching 
watching this with a more critical eye and it didn't hold. It's just like, why would that happen? That's convenient. So there's a lot of little plot points where it's like, that's only happening because it's convenient to the plot, not because that's a character progression. Yeah. Oh, you, that needed to happen there to get the plot to here and that doesn't make any sense. And oh, this okay. Little things like that and because it is so, I'm trying to take it seriously because this is a serious film. Yeah. It's like, well, that's, that's kind of silly and that's kind of silly. And so, unfortunately, it's my own fault for not liking it as much because I took that baggage into it. Okay. But now, I, I haven't seen it myself and really I don't know if I'll make the effort to go and see it in the cinema. I may just wait for it to come out on DVD. But, yeah, from what I've heard, I've heard more bad than good, I think. Well, it's not bad. I mean, this is the hard thing. It's just, unfortunately, the expectation's so high. And do you think timing's probably a problem? If it had come out before The Avengers, do you think people would have liked it more? I think it's different. Like I said, one's more a film, one's more a popcorn action flick. Yeah. So your expectations are different. Would you come away? Because I remember coming away from The Avengers, and I wasn't really pumped for Batman at all, to be honest. Yeah. It was like, I'm hoping it's good, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. Chances are, it may not work. Yeah. Because I don't know how much the second move, the popularity and everything, was based on Heath Ledger's performance and how much everyone sort of went a bit nuts. Yeah. So, you know, it was like, was that a fluke? And because of that, maybe the next one won't be that good. That was always at the back of my head. Yep. Whereas Avengers, I was hoping it was good. Like, I love everything about what went towards it. And you came away and it was such a good time. Yeah. That it was like, that was a hoot. And then I thought about what's next. And then we go, oh, we got, oh, we got Batman. Oh, that's going to be depressing as fuck. Yeah, exactly. And I really, I felt sorry for it in the way that it's like, okay, I really had a ball in this movie and I've come away happy. I'm not going to get that from Batman. Yep. So it's a, sort of a different expectation. It was really, oh, okay. it wasn't like where Spider-Man on the other hand was sort of like, okay, Spider-Man should have been like the Avengers and that sort of thing, and you come away from that going, okay, yeah, I've seen that before. And the big question, did you see the Superman ad? No, the John oh, West they commercial. They didn't have one? No, I didn't see it. Oh, okay, maybe that was only select. I think we got there late, actually. Okay. Maybe it was on and you just missed it. I did, but I have seen it online. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. When does that get released here in Australia? That'll be next year in the su American summer, so it'll be June-ish. Okay, and I read somewhere yesterday that Iron Man 3's been bumped back now. That was going oh, to come out it? in May. That was going to be May now, 1st. Cause... Yeah, so that's now being bumped back to a little bit later in the year. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because they were making a big deal about the fact that that was going to be in May. Marvel and it was, was gonna be, May. Yeah, and it's going to be the big uh, free comic book day in May, and they're going to do the big tie-in with the... Yeah, because Marvel had that. Iron Man 3 yep. in this May, yep. Spider-Man 2 May 2014, and Avengers 2 Avengers, yeah. 2015 was May the first week of May, yep. and that was going to be Marvel. And it's clever, because obviously it used to be the summer, height of summer, middle of June, was the big tempo releases. Yeah, Marvel this year went with Avengers early and blew them out of the water. Yeah. It's like okay, so now they're laying down the law and they're saying we're going to start off everyone's summer. Follow us. Yeah, so it's pretty ballsy of them. Yeah, obviously if one fails, I mean it's quite clever. I mean they suppose they did Thor and Captain America in the one year. They let off with Thor. Well, Thor would have been May as well, wouldn't it? They probably started doing yeah. that and they did, and it was a success. Yep. And by the end, Captain America, it probably helped Captain America by that point. Because everyone was excited about Thor still, we can follow up with Captain America. Now, if they've got two movies coming out, because they have announced a bunch of films now. Yep. So it's always good to lead off with the best. Not that they know which is the best yet, but if they're strong and they're con convinced with a film, then obviously leading off the summer is great. If it doesn't work, at least you can back end the summer with another one and say, well, that everyone's going to forget about this one, but... The next one was better. So. It, would, it would be hard for them to work out what's going to be a good movie, though, because they couldn't really go off, say, your comic fan base. Because your comic base for Captain America would be bigger than your Thor fan base. But I think Thor was probably a better movie than Captain America. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea how Hollywood works and how they predict and what they... They seem to get things right. Like, you know, they push movies back by three months, like Green Latin, because mm, this isn't very good. Yeah. So they seem to have an idea what they're doing, somehow. Yeah. But, I mean, they don't care about the comic fans when they make these movies. The fan base is not... I mean, there's character recognition, but yeah. there's no... The fan base is irrelevant. Like, mm -hmm. it makes up 5%, if you're lucky, of people yeah. who are going to buy tickets. It's yeah. irrelevant. Yeah, so, I mean, that's my movies. Like, Dark Knight Rises, I can't say it's bad. I probably will buy it and add it to my collection. But it's not a... It's, it's just hard. Like, the expectation killed it for me. Yeah. Like, it was like, okay, you're putting it up on this pedestal, and it is, it does deserve to be there, and it does succeed in what it does, but it's just like, okay. And it wraps up Nolan's Batman story. There's no more after this. 
No, I mean there are there is an open ending. Okay. Which could lead to other things, and you sort of go there. I want more, but it's not. It's fine. Like I've heard the people involved, and they've all talked about it, and their discussions with it are like just like yeah. It, yeah there there could be more, but put them in your head. The stories in your head are the story, continuing stories of the Nolan universe. It works. Okay. Well, that's good. So you haven't been leaving the house. Well, no. So I... have you been watching anything at home? Uh, I did get to watch something on DVD. I watched Young Adult. Mm, it was Shalice uh, Shalice Theron who I can't pronounce her name and uh, Pat Oswald was also in it Diablo Cody yeah written yeah. yeah written by Diablo Cody and I think it was directed by one of those indie film darlings as well I can't remember off the top of my head but basically it's the story of Shalice who I can't pronounce her name is a struggling writer that's just been divorced and decides that she can go back to her hometown USA and hook up with her high school boyfriend despite the fact that he's now married with a child okay. and the premise the way when I originally read it I thought it was maybe it was going to be a comedy but it's definitely not a comedy it's a very serious film with a few funny laughs and despite the fact that Pat Oswald's the main co-star in it as a comedian he's very unfunny in his role it's a very serious role for him interesting film I'd probably recommend it but yeah it's one of those I think you probably need to like Diablo Cody's work before you go and see it I can honestly say I've not seen Juno Juno is very very much an acquired taste as well Juno's very quirky yeah and I think if you like Juno you probably would like Young Adult snappy dialogue everyone's too witty for their own good it is quite snappy there's a few just funny moments based on the dialogue. But it's well acted. I've it's heard well it's put good. together. From most of the reviews I've read, said it was good. So I thought, oh yeah, may as well watch it. And I enjoyed it. Okay. Well, that's it. No other movies? No, no other movies. I've been watching a little bit of TV. Yeah. I've been going back and watching a lot of old TV, actually. I've found uh, Ultimate Muscle, which is a anime show from early 90s that was shown on Cartoon Network I managed to find some episodes of that on YouTube so I've been going back and watching that Which but, is, um, what's that? Well it's it's based on the toy line of muscle that was out sort of early 80s that were like little two inch pink wrestling figures from outer space and they've turned it into a cartoon of strange wrestlers from outer space Is in, it good? It's of its time uh-huh. So yes, I, I'm a bit of a fan of muscle and I went through a stage when I was a kid of collecting them and then I as went through another stage as an adult of collecting them again and painting them and stuff. So That's when you discovered eBay, wasn't it? Exactly. <laughs> and when the American dollar was worth a lot more than the Australian dollar and I paid a lot more than I should have for some of them. But yeah, it was interesting to go back and watch them again because I remember watching them when, when I first got Foxtel, it was on Cartoon Network and I watched it and quite enjoyed it. And just going back and watching it again now, it's very 90s. Yeah. And some of the stuff they do is very dated as nineties, but okay. yeah. Other than that, I haven't really watched a lot of TV. I finally got around to watching the end of season two of Game of Thrones. Yes, and the second last episode I thought was awesome. It episode was. nine, and then episode ten, the actual final episode, kind of felt like a bit of a letdown. It was after episode nine was a big, almost a finale episode. Yeah, and then you got this wrap up episode. It's like, come on, you're only ten episodes long. You don't, you, yeah, you don't need to have a long drawn out episode as your last episode. It was like Return of the King. It was, like, wasn't it? You got the, the false ending and then the false ending. Yeah. But I really enjoyed the battle scene in episode nine, so for anyone that hasn't seen the second season of Game of Thrones, I'm not going to mention the spoilers, but I really enjoyed that. And I did like the very ending of episode ten when you got the big reveal. So that was that was interesting. And now we have to wait till March next year before we see the next season. God damn it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, it's they, a long wait. It's an expensive show and it takes it time. I understand. I can wait. If it's going to be, if it takes that long to be that good, I'm willing to wait. Exactly. Because being a period piece, it's something that you look at and there's never anything you look at and go, well, that kind of looks out of place. But they... The set designers, the costume, everything is right down to the T of making it look authentic. And, yeah, that takes time and it takes money. And the fact that they've got, you know, 200 people in the cast probably doesn't help either. Oh, and they're filming wherever. Like, all that stuff above the wall. Yeah. Like, they're obviously taking a cast and crew up to... Well, I think they said it was filmed in bits of it are Croatia, bits of it are in Northern Ireland. It's... Yeah, yeah, it's not like they're on a sound stage. They're flying people everywhere. So it's not not a cheap movie. No, it wouldn't cheap show. But it's it's making money. It's been picked up for a third season. So Excellent. People at HBO I'll are happy with it. Keep watching while it's still good. Yeah. Yes. Well, I've been watching a few shows. I'm working my way through Twin Peaks. I'm only 20 years behind on that, so no spoilers. <laughs> but I started the new show, Aaron Sorkin's new show, Newsroom. So Aaron Sorkin of West Wing fame. Yep. It's his new show. And my friend Dave, who's a massive Sorkin nut, like he loves it and raves about it. And always raves about his stuff. 
So I remember when 30 Rock came out and Studio 60 on Sunset Strip came out the same year. And one was the Aaron Sorkin show about essentially Saturday Night Live, but, you know, with hard-hitting dialogue and everything. And then there was 30 Rock, the comedy, essentially, about Saturday Night Live. And I watched 30 Rock, he watched Studio 60. And we were saying, oh, I watched this show. I was like, well, I watched this one because it's funny. And in the end, my show's lasted six seasons. He's got sacked after six episodes. Oh, okay. It's like, yeah. I just didn't find its audience. Aaron Sorkin fans rave about it and love it. And it probably was really good. I just didn't stick with it after the first episode. I think because I have a habit of watching a lot of first episodes around that pilot season. And yeah. I'll get back to that later. And I never do. Yeah. And I sort of keep getting access to those episodes. But I never get back to it unless I hear amazing things. It's like the ones I like, I'll stick with. And, I'll, and generally they're crap, like they're really dodgy. But the good ones, it's like, oh, that's a really serious show. I'll, I'll get back to that later. And then either it'll get sacked, you know, axed after six episodes. So it's yep. like, I'm not going to bother because it's got axed. Or it'll get to an end, the full of the season. It's like, oh, I'll watch that later. And I just never seem to. Like yep. Breaking Bad, which I haven't got to yet. Which after Twin Peaks, that is our plan, apparently, is we're going to watch Breaking Bad. So I will mainline, which apparently will hurt me. Yeah. Anyway, so his new show is called Newsroom with Jeff Daniels as a news anchor. Very much like the a very respected, loved news anchor. And it's about him almost having a nervous breakdown very publicly and sort of what's going to happen next. He pretty much loses his production crew. He gets a new person in who he's got a history with and she's sort of breaks him out of his chasing ratings to you used to be important. Oh, okay. You know, you, it was all about the news. Now it's all about the ratings. We yep. can go back to being about the news. So it's sort of like, oh, so they're sort of trying to push the lead on doing it right. The thing with the show is it's a couple. Of, it's set a couple of years ago. So the first episode is all about the BP mining spill. Oh, okay. Uh, so they're telling this story two years after it happened. So he can be really clever on how to report this, going, oh, blah, 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 and it all comes out and it all yeah. works. It's, like, it's always easy with hindsight. Yeah, so I'm exactly. sort of, again, like with Dark Knight Rises, I'm taking in a expectation with me. Yeah. And it's sort of like, you've got a higher expectation. I'm going to give you a lot more criticism than I am to bloody Melissa and Joey. You know, yep. a half hour sitcom with Melissa Joan Hart. So I'm sort of being a bit more critical while watching. And while seeing that, I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. That's easy to write. And I got to the third episode. I'm still sticking with it. It is very good. And the dialogue is very good. Yeah. But it's sort of like, it's that whole, at the back of my head, I'm constantly going, but you are telling news that's two years old. It's a bit easy to sort of do that. Apparently it gets really, really good. And like Dave, who is a fan, he was talking it up. And I, I actually texted him after one episode because it was just a bit holier than now and telling the story. I was like, this is a fantasy show, right? Yeah. And he goes, what do you mean? I was like, well, in an ideal world that Aaron Sorkin ran, this is how the news would work and that would be perfect and he goes exactly that's that and the West Wing apparently was the same in the perfect world where he was the president of America that's how it would work and the world would be a better place to say okay well, as long as you sort of go in yeah. with that conceit then okay I can live with that okay and he said that by episode 6 it really finds its feet and it's he had a few hesitations with it but they've all been dealt with and it's really going well, well so I'm good. looking forward to seeing more because it's, it's good like it was good it's just that was to me it was a funny yep. thing yeah, so I, I sort of watched that. So that's about it. Okay. We've been sort of in a bit of a, a dull patch of TV at the moment with the Olympics just finishing and a lot of stuff not actually being on. But September is traditionally the start of new seasons in the States and we kind of get them dribbled over here in Australia. I know Two Broke Girls is coming back late September, so it'll be a bit of fluff sitcom for us in the future. Yes. Glee's coming back, so I don't really know where they're going to head with this season of Glee. Oh, I think things like last week, down. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. You know, they've got new classes, new people. A lot of the senior class have left, so we've got a chance for the younger people to shine. So, yeah, I'm willing to give that I'll a go I'll still again. watch it. It was just cheap fluff to watch. It, it's one of those things that I tend to watch it pretty much as soon as I can, but then if I don't watch it, I don't feel bad that I've missed it. And then I'll sort of catch up a few episodes in a hit and it's one of the few things that my wife and I will actually sit down and watch together which is good well same with us yeah because there's you know there's programs that I'll watch that she won't watch and she watches Grey's Anatomy and stuff like that that I just can't be bothered with so it's good to actually have a program that we can sit and watch together Mm. and that's good Okay, so we're back from our little break there, and we mentioned at the start of the episode that we've both been doing a little bit of gaming, and like last month, I think we've both actually completed at least one game. Two. Yes. I've completed one, so 
We'll talk about yours first. Duke Nukem, I finished. Yeah, I've never played Duke Nukem before. So Duke Nukem Forever is my first Duke Nukem game. So I didn't have the weight that everyone else did because I didn't really know. Yeah, it, it, it's your first person shooter. And obviously there is a sordid history with the Duke Nukem game. Yeah. Like to get to this point. Like it was a 12 year? 12 years ago, before it was released, it was announced that it was going to be released the next summer. Yep. So it's it's a long time, if not more, but we'll work on 12. Yeah, it's a first person shooter. It's nothing new, unfortunately. It's no game changer or anything like that. Yeah. But full credit to Gearbox for getting the game out because it went through so many developers because it got sold, businesses went under, someone else took over. Yeah. And it went through a whole lot of different companies before it came out. And they all said next summer, next summer, every couple of years. Actually, one of the extras on the game is to go through the timeline of the game. Yeah. And it's got all the trailers from the different E3s from the different years saying next year it's coming, next year it's coming. And they got their money, I think. I don't know if they got their money back, but... They got the game out. They said they would. Yeah. And it's out and it worked. It wasn't well, from the what best. I've heard, it made a profit. So oh, good. they should be happy with that. Good on them because a lot of people obviously wanted this game. I don't yep. think it would have exceeded anyone's expectations. When it first came out, yeah. I mean, first-person shooters were Doom, yep. Quake and things like that. So that's what you were comparing against now with Call of Duties and those and Halos. Yeah. It's, it's just not. It's a very different beast that you're up against. And it didn't do anything new that I could tell. Like, there was nothing in it for me that go, oh, wow, this is innovative. But it's done. I played it. I was homesick for a week, so it was a good time to do it. I probably should have played something else that was a bit more intensive, <laughs> but that was the game I grabbed. And, yeah, I enjoyed myself while I was there, so that oh, was fine. Good. And I finished that, and I've been really watching my Aliens films lately. Yeah. I got a bug to play Aliens vs. Predator, so I ended up buying that cheap secondhand and really enjoyed it. It's a first-person shooter, yep. but you play as a Marine, one campaign as a Marine, one as a Predator, one as a alien, okay. Xenomorph, and it was fun. It's short. I know, I remember at the time people were whinging that it was such a short game, and then there is online that tries to get people to play more, but obviously the online wasn't very good because I went to jump online and there was no one playing it anymore. Well, there was a, what, 18-month, two-year-old game? Duke Nukem, I jumped online and there were people playing. Well, so. and we did talk about it, people were still online playing Call of Duty 2, which yeah. was, you know... <laughs> however long ago that came out. Yeah, so it, it may not have been good online or they just didn't push it enough, I'm not sure. But I don't care about... If I get a good seven-hour game, I'm happy with good seven hours. I don't want it to be 12 hours just for the sake of making it longer. Yep. So I was really happy with it. I played the Marine first, which was good. Like, it was a pretty straightforward shooter. And, but the sounds are right. It felt like Aliens, the movie. Yeah. Like, the... The, sh the guns made the right noises, the little um, motion sensor made the right noise, and you really got a vibe. And I actually showed to you. Yeah, like, you're running around in the dark with a torch you can hardly see, and there's aliens attacking you. It's actually really atmospheric. It was very atmospheric. It, it reminded me a lot of Dead Space. Mm, which, which I think is derivative of the movie of Alien and Aliens. Yeah. So, yeah, it kind of all goes full circle. But, yeah... It, immersiveness it felt really really good like even in just that little like horde type level that i played so yeah i might have to borrow that off you once i'm finished yeah. my current crop it was really cool so i went from the marine um, to the predator yep so you're stronger and bigger and all this so instead of being a marine with a bunch of guns up against aliens and the odd predator every now and then you're now the king you're you're more powerful you've got the stealth you've got the camouflage suit and you can sneak up on people and kill them you've got a different perspective to your gameplay yeah, and you can jump to levels and things like oh, that okay. with the strength. Did you have the heat vision? Yes, you can turn that vision on. Yeah, like you can see normally, or turn that on, and then there's later on you get another bit where you can see aliens better okay. as well, so you can change. It's just a different vibe to the game, so it just adds it. So yeah, that was cool. Like it just sort of changed the way you play. And then I played as the alien last, which is probably the weakest of the campaigns. Oh, okay, because you all you got is stealth and attack. There is no yep. weapons, so it was a bit like. I probably should have played that one first because there is no order you have to do it in. They oh, sort of okay. all run concurrently in yeah. a way. So I was going to recommend anything I'd do. Alien, Marine, Predator, if you want to do it. It's fun. Check okay. it out. So that's me. I did try a couple of games because I, I was working through my pile of shame and I did put Stuntman Ignition, which I've had for years, and I lasted about an hour a bit. <laughs> and you did warn me. Yeah, I've heard, like I haven't played it myself, but I've heard people say that it's the type of game that makes you throw your controller at the TV. And I stopped before I did that. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, I love Trials HD, which is essentially... Oh, it's not quite the same thing. It's actually very different. Trials HD is an obstacle course where you fail a lot yep. and you keep restarting. But the thing with Trials HD is you start pretty much straight away. There's no loading time. You don't have time to get frustrated because you're back into it again. Yeah. Where Stuntman Ignition, you are a driver and you're on a movie set and you have to perform a series of stunts. So you're driving around. You've got to go in between two cars. You've got to jump this thing, go around, smash through here go past this so you've got all these markers or cues you've got to hit yep. you get five fails you've got to redo the scene oh, okay and just didn't doesn't make sense you get walk through it first and a guy telling you you've got to go here and jump on this thing if it was a real stunt man you would train for it you would go through all these certain <laughs> things and you will get it right and then film it yep. but no they just sort of like explain it to you and then on your way and you've got this obnoxious English director saying cut do it again get him out of the lava <laughs> oh. and it's sort of like berating you for fucking up and you're like thanks God. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah and uh, yeah after you about your 14th fail and you've got this English knob telling you off it's sort of like I don't really want to play you anymore so okay. I didn't so and then you went back to Hellboy didn't you I did which I got into well that's good maybe I was sick maybe it was the right yes. frame of mind but I sort of I got somewhere it just seemed very slow and plodding and I just seemed to I listened to um, some podcasts while I was playing. It made it so much better because it's so it's, it's an easy game. Yeah. And it was just like boom. So I'm like, oh. And I was progressing and progressing. It's like good. I got a few more hours to go in the game, and it's like I can do this because I just want to finish. I'm not hating it, but I'm not. Oh my god, this is amazing! Or there's something new. There's nothing in this game that's new except okay. seeing Hellboy, you know, yep. on a game that looks kind of cool. Yep. But apart from that, so I'm not hating it. I suppose is the best thing I can say about that right now. You did say though that the quality control of the game was probably a bit lax compared to some other things. Well, it's just a frustrating. I didn't realise how much I like Gears of War only because it works so well. Yep. Like if you push a button, it does what it's meant to do. You, If you're too close to something, it will react like you're too close. If you're too far, it won't touch. Yep. All these sort of things work well because it's a well-designed game. You're fighting a boss fight in Hellboy and you think you're well past this guy. Next thing you know, he's grabbed you. Yep. Like you didn't, you didn't see him grab you. Next thing you know, you're in his hand and he's doing a, a move on you. It's like, oh, okay. I wasn't near you. How the, yeah, you know, yeah. little things like that are frustrating. Yep. But I let it go and I was just chilling out going, oh, I'll beat it because I'm playing on baby mode. So it's easy. I'm just getting through it and I'll get to the end. Well, that's good. So I'm not dying often and it's not like I have to repeat a lot. The only thing that is killing me though is game saves like when you do die and you have to restart a level do not put your save before a two and a half minute cinematic <laughs> so if you die you have to go through that two and a half minute cinematic again before you get back into the fight that you will undoubtedly die again yep. and have to go back and redo it and that was kind of annoying but you just find things to distract yourself because you know how long this cinematic is going to take that yep. was that was annoying them? no that was <laughs> you know skippable that's all you have to do but yep. oh yeah really frustrating as to why you design something that way. But, yeah. But yeah, it's fun. And moving to the big tally, I was I was playing in my room, but I was playing on the big tally now, which is HD and plasma and stuff. It looks a lot nicer. Yeah. So maybe I'll go back to Thor. Maybe. Well, maybe I should stop playing shit games. Maybe you should stop playing shit games. <laughs> as far as what I've been playing... I was going to ask. I managed so, to Joe, pick up, tell me. What have you been, you been playing? playing? Well, <laughs> I managed to pick up Hunter the, Hunted the Demon's Forge quite cheaply. Now, that's Gears of Warcraft? Is that yeah, the one that we're it's, it's basically a medieval cover-based shooter, I guess you'd call it. You've got a bow and arrow or you've got a sword. It's on the Unreal Engine, so it looks just like Gears of War. You've got your cover system. You've got your slow walking to cover load times. But recently, the game chain of stores went into receivership here in Australia. And I think in England as well. Yeah, well, they did in England, and then the Australian one, who I found out is not actually part of the same chain. It was an independently owned company here in Australia, but they've actually gone into receivership as well. <laughs> and they were selling off a bunch of their stuff online because all their bricks and mortar stores closed and then they had pretty much all their stock very heavily reduced online I think they were up to 70% off on some things wow. so I managed to pick up Hunted the Demon's Forge for about $9 including postage that's alright yeah so it's touted as being quite a good co-op game and they've got split screen co-op so my wife and I thought we'd give it a try and mm -hmm. she lasted about half an hour into the first level and then decided that she didn't want to play it anymore it's 
very compact in the split screen. Like, when you play it as a solo game, it looks quite nice. But when you play it as split screen, instead of just splitting the screen, they've kind of split the screen and shrunk it down as well. Yeah. So you've got a lot of wasted space on the screen and you can't read the text and you can't really see what's going on. So she was a bit disappointed with that. So, yeah, she, she quit on me and I decided I'd play a little bit of it by myself. She's not used to that third-person twin stick. No. Her gaming pedigree, I guess, we've played a lot of Gauntlet Dark Legacy. We've played through Fable together, Fable 2 and 3. Because that's two so, person, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. um, I've Fable, not played Fable. So. Fable 1 was purely a solo person on the original Xbox and PC. And then Fable 2 came out and it had drop-in co-op where you could have a helper come along and help you. And it wasn't really a character of your own. Whereas Fable 3, you can bring your own character in so you get your own experience building and you can collect your own weaponry and stuff. So cool. I played through Fable 3 and then she played Fable 3 and I went along as her helper, I guess, when we played. But we like that sort of medieval fantasy sort of feel and thought Hunted might be a good game, but no, she didn't last very well. What did you like? I've played through the first two levels and then I stopped. And the main reason I stopped was because Stella decided that she would go and buy Lego Harry Potter mm-hmm. for her. You love Harry Potter, don't you? Well, I love the Lego games. But she, she bought it in the intent that she would play it with her best friend when they have their Sunday night catch-ups. So they were playing it a little bit and I watched them play the first level and thought to myself that, yeah, I don't know Harry Potter, but I like Lego games. So but you have a like full thousand pointed yes. a couple of Lego games already. So you I've, are a bit of a fan. I'm, yeah, I think the Lego franchise of games, no matter what particular branding they are, I'm quite a fan of just the gameplay of them. I've completed Lego Batman to the full thousand game points. I've completed Lego Indiana Jones to the full thousand game points. I've got 990, I think, game points of Lego Star Wars, the complete saga. And I thought, yeah, I'll give Lego Harry Potter a go. I've never read a Harry Potter. I have never seen a Harry Potter. <laughs> so there was a few bits of the game that meant nothing to me. And there was a few stages of the game where I had no idea what I should be doing. Like there was like magic doors that you needed to be from a certain house to get through. And I'm sitting there going, all right, I don't, don't know who this is. Let's just pick characters randomly until I can open the door. But I got through it. And then I got to the point where I thought to myself, well, I've played a fair bit of this game. I think I'm going to finish the storyline. And then I realized that, hell, give it a little bit of extra effort. I can actually get the full thousand points in this too. So probably over about two weeks of an hour a night for a couple of weeks, I managed to get through a whole game and get the full thousand game points. Does it make you want to read or see Harry Potter films? It kind of made me want to read it. The first game, the game's actually broken up into two parts. So this was, the first game is years one to four. So you'll be buying the next one? Oh uh, yeah. I've already gone out and sort of sussed out how much it's going to cost. And I've also been looking at Lego Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> to see how much that is. But It's not going to be very good, is it? No, I mm. think that's a bit of a letdown. Still, but you like the Lego ones, games, but so. Yeah, but I think Stella picked it up for about 20 bucks secondhand, Lego Harry Potter. And that's I think right. you can even pick up the second one new for about 30, 35. So I think when she's up to ready to play it, she'll probably buy it and I'll get to play it again. I know in real Lego, the Lego Lord of the Rings is out there now. Yeah. Like as far as you could, there's pictures of the new Lego to be made. Yep. Is there a game coming with that? Do you know? Uh, yes, there is. There is. So you're um, looking forward to that, I take it? Yeah. But there is actual, like, physical Lego Harry Potter stuff you can yeah, as well. But yeah, but I just wonder if the game-wise, if it's just pretty much guaranteed now. It's like, if we're going to buy the license, we're going to get a game. Because you've got, obviously, Lego Batman 2 is out now. Yeah. Or DC Superheroes or whatever they're calling it. Yeah, and they're saying that's the best Superman game there is so far. Which I'm looking forward to playing. Yeah. Um, it's weird, though, because they made, they made, like, physical Lego Prince of Persia. But how cool would it be to play a, a Lego Prince of Persia game? <laughs> maybe. Well, maybe. But yeah. the thing with um, Lego Batman 2 is they've actually got voice actors, which is the first one. Yeah, it's the first time they've had voice. In the Lego game. And I think it's, it sounded like Mark Hamill is a Joker and I think yeah, it's Kevin I, Conroy is really Batman. I have really read a lot into Lego yeah, I'm not, Batman I'm, I don't want to know, not that it's really spoilers in the game or not, but yeah. I just, I'm very tempted by it. So I'm like, ooh. Mm. Soups, another Superman game. Yeah. Until what? 2013 when we get the ubiquitous, shittiest game ever on a console is the Superman <laughs> game, which was started with the Atari and... Superman with, 64? Yes. Yes, with that fog. Yes. Why can't they make a good Superman game? Just give it to Rocksteady. Exactly. Just say, turn this into a game. Well, other than the Lego and a bit of Hunted, I've also played a little bit of an arcade title that came out in June called Bang Bang Racing, which is a bit of a homage to the old style of arcade races. It's your top-down, just cutesy kind of racing game. It's, it's kind of fun. That was, I think that was 400 points. What made you buy that? I'd heard a little bit about it, and I was flicking through, a, a, I think it was a Australian official Xbox magazine that a friend of mine had. Not that I 
read a lot of gaming magazines anymore. Someone actually buys that? Well, he yes. still buys magazines. Well, my, my friend Mark, who's a bit of a Luddite that doesn't believe in the internet and still buys his paper magazine every month, and I just happened to be at his house and I was looking at that, and they had a little ad for it, and I thought, well, that kind of looks cool. I downloaded the demo, enjoyed the demo, and forked out the cash for it. Cool. Oh, well, actually, was... you made me want to make me play it. Well, you I showed, showed me it last night, and I had a game, and I'm like, I was never good at these games back in the day. I'm still not good at them now, so it doesn't sort of work for me. Yeah. But that's, yeah, I was, like I said, I was never good at those games, so I'm still not. And I've also been playing Joe Danger Special Edition, which came out originally on the PS3, and then they brought that out on Xbox. Yeah, that's like a cartoony Trials, is that yeah. the one? They, it's basically a cross between Trials and Excite Bike, so it's a little bit more racing than Trials, and it's very much cartoony as opposed to Trials, but I downloaded the demo of that probably about three or four months ago, and my five-year-old loves it, so eventually I decided to crack and fork over the, the points for that and I think that was 1200 points so it was it was a little bit pricey for what it is but it seemed like a fun game at the time so yeah I've been playing a bit of that and I've been enjoying that so that's good mm-hmm. and then getting back to the co-op gaming with my wife we've bought Dungeon Siege 3 which is an isometric medieval hack and slash sort of game I don't really know now how this you call it this is a genre I know nothing about so yeah. this is like a Diablo is that sort of thing no. yeah it's it's a bit like your Diablo sort of thing it's not so much about loot well it is about loot because the first time we played we, we were picking up all the drops and we knew nothing about what we were picking up so every time we picked something up we had to go and look at our inventory and like work it out and go okay this has got you know two more stats in attack but it's got less block do I really want to change it sort of thing but it's been fun it's been quite a good co-op game it's not split screen which is good we're both on the same screen together running around hacking can you at give giant yourself spiders. a high five like in Tejemino no you can't oh. <laughs> as I mentioned before Stella and I played a lot of Gauntlet Dark Legacy which was the late 90s gauntlet. We originally played it on the N64, and then before we had kids, we got it on the original Xbox, and we actually almost finished it in one night, staying up till the sun came up playing it. I miss those days. Yeah. And we've since then, we've been looking for a game that had that sort of feel that Gauntlet did. And we've played a couple. We played, like, Crimson Alliance was pretty close. But Dungeon Siege, it's more serious than Gauntlet. Gauntlet's very cartoony, whereas this is quite serious. We're probably a couple of hours in, and we've, we've had our first big fight with a boss that we had to actually go and find an FAQ for that was quite difficult and similar to what you were saying about Hellboy it had that problem of a cutscene before the boss fight so there's a save point then you watch this cutscene and it's kind of it gives you that sort of speech wheel where you can kind of pick like your Mass Effect you can kind of pick which way you want to go with the story based on your conversation before the fight and then you have this fight and you die and then you have to reload your save and you have to go through the conversation again and then you have to do your fight and it's a little bit tedious but eventually we managed to beat that first big boss so that was that was pretty cool but it's it's good it's it was cheap we, we only picked that up for again about 20 bucks and it's only like a year old it came out well not even a year old I think it came out a week before Skyrim and that I think clever. yeah I think that absolutely killed it I think the fact that all the people that are going to like that sort of game probably went nah I'm not going to buy that I'll just buy Skyrim so I, I'd recommend it if you like your medieval RPG elements loot, loot magic and that sort of stuff so I've been playing as I said I've been playing a bit of that co-op and I've also been playing here we go with the cutting edge of video games again I've been playing Need for Speed Undercover which is how old? Uh, 2008 that oh, actually okay. came out cool. so that's your typical Need for Speed game it's more open world than some of the other earlier Need for Speed where you tart up your car and you just drive around a city and you race some people and chase the cops or... so it's like Burnout Paradise? it's a lot like Burnout Paradise you could probably say it's Burnout Paradise with police because okay. every now and then you'll be in the middle of a race and you'll get too much police attention and then you'll have to finish your race really quickly and then get away from the cops at the end of the race but the, the getting away from the cops is great like you you can run over obstacles that like knock over billboards and the billboard will land on the cop car and you'll be able to get away because you know it stops the car chase and it's it's fun it's it flows well it's got a good look to it graphically it's really nice it's got some horrendous video scenes in it like they've made a real effort to kind of do your fast and the furious type storyline where you're an undercover cop pretending you're a driver in this you know, street gang where they're doing criminal activities and stuff but all the videos are pretty badly acted maggie q is like your your boss in the police force and christina milan who i think is some sort of teeny bopper pop musician is like your love interest the leader of the baddies is some dude who's jessica alba's brother in real life okay but yeah it's it's very badly acted and 
Was it fun? It is fun. And, and that's what you want. Yeah. Because funny, because I played a little bit there and you really raved and a few podcasts we listened to absolutely raved about Burnout Paradise. So we got that. And you talked to it like a duck to water. Yeah. I have Need for Speed Pro Street, which is a track-based racing game. Yeah. And I really got into that. And Project Gotham Racing 3 and 4. Really got into those. And I love them. And I really didn't take to Burnout Paradise. And it was sort of like what's wrong with me and I don't like cars coming the other way is what I figured out I like being on a racetrack I think and I don't think you like the open world sort of side of it either well because I don't put enough time into a game I think because I don't learn the streets I don't know where I'm at I was racing you in Burnout Paradise a couple of times and you're like zipping in and out and coming around here it's like beating me because you knew the roads where I'm like oh my map says I gotta go straight exactly I'm sort of and it's just putting the time in which you did which I just couldn't be bothered it just didn't work for me where I I really love Pro Street which is probably the worst reviewed Need for Speed game out there Yeah. people seem to hate it but I really dug it but it was because my only game I played yeah. as far as that goes and I really like it no Maggie Q we don't have anything that good we've got some J-pop star in it and Crystal Forskett from Big Brother 7 in Australia <laughs> they're, they're the big names that are in my game that I play but yeah. that's the one I like so maybe it's the open worldness I don't like yeah well I think with Undercover, you do have the fact that you can just quickly jump to your GPS map and select the races off the map rather than driving to the point where it triggers the start of them, which is good because I played on the original Xbox, I played Need for Speed Underground, I think it's called. And basically in that one, you just drive around until you get to the point where the race starts. So you can't quick jump to the race. So if you finish the race and you lose, you have to drive all the way back. And that was what was originally in Burnout. And then they released a patch where you could restart straight away rather than having to drive back to the start point smart but, yeah game yeah. designers good idea but I like just the random driving around and it, it's all about this one not so much but Need for Speed Carbon and Need for Speed Underground were all about making your car look good rather than just making your car go fast so it was all about the paintworks and you know, the crappy vinyls on your car and all the stickers and all that sort of stuff. But this one's more, you know, here's your nitro, here's your tuning, make your car go quick and who cares if it looks good. Yep. And I think you were saying as well that in Pro Street, the damage actually costs you money. Yes. Whereas in this, you know, by the end of the race, if you've bumped into the walls and stuff, your car will be falling apart. But as soon as the race finishes, your car's miraculously back to normal and it doesn't cost you anything. Whereas think, yeah. in Pro Street, you had to pay for it. Well, Pro Street, it's all about race day. Yep. So it was literally, the, I mean, it's not even much of a storyline, but you're, you go to different races race mates and you have your different cars for your different races so you got drag you got wheelie you got speed you've got lap races yeah so you have different cars kitted out for those different races and you want to dominate the race day if you win you get a certain amount of points you win if you get over those certain amount of points you dominate yeah and you get financial rewards for your wins obviously but you crash the car or whatever you're going to repair it if you want to race in the next race yeah can but you can get obviously some of your rewards and uh, repair markers. Yep. So it costs you nothing. It's just oh, okay. a, a credit to get your car fixed and That's it right. doesn't cost you money. But which, which is one of the first games I got with my Xbox, which we worked out was, what, 2008? Yes. And I'm still playing it. Yeah. Like, it's something I always go back to whenever I'm in the middle of something going, I just want to race. So yeah. I'll go and try and add a few more little race days into my thing. So I'm over halfway, but it's still going to take me forever because I'm at a point where my car's just not quite good enough and I don't know how to tune the cars to get them better. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think i got to buy a new car now because I'm, I'm loving my wrecks, but I'm probably going to have to up spec and get to a, you know, a group A car yeah. to get through the next bits. But I just don't want to because I'm terrible in those things. Well, that, that's the trouble with these sort of games. Like, I'm not a car head in real life at all. And I'm purely buying the cars because I like the car. Sort of, I'm driving around in Ford Focus because I like those Ken Block Jim Carner <laughs> YouTube clips where he drives around in a Ford Focus. So, you know, I, I don't know that a Ford Focus is a good car. I've also got, I think I just picked up a Lancer Evo last night because, you know, apparently they're good. But again, I, I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm just buying the cars because I like the car. So I did that when I printed Gotham 3. I grabbed a Bentley because I love Bentleys. <laughs> Terrible car to go around a racetrack yeah. in. What was I thinking? It's two tons. What yeah. am I... <laughs> but it was kind of nice. I was driving a Bentley for a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not good at it. I'm yeah. never going to go online and race other people because that would be just ridiculous. Well, we did try and go online with Project Gotham. We didn't do too bad because we actually sort of became a bit addicted to that game. And yeah, we, were doing we went a stage it was probably about what two years ago mm. just before you got married because yes. I remember you were working on your uh, your wedding speech and I was playing Project Gotham <laughs> I know and I wanted to play too going, I'm really going to write this speech but fuck I'd rather play <laughs> 
other than that, we've we've just come to the end of the winter of arcade or summer of arcade, and we decided that we would check out all of the options for summer of arcade this year. And really, we were quite disappointed. Quite isn't yeah. So they're up to the the fifth year that they've done summer of arcade or winter of arcade here in the southern hemisphere. And we mentioned on last month's podcast that Tony Hawk Pro Skater HD was the first of the summer of arcade titles, and we tried that demo, and I was quite disappointed with it. Well, it didn't do anything for me, but I never played the original. So yeah. this is this is right in your wheelhouse. You played a lot of the original. Yeah. And it didn't do it for you? No, it didn't really do it for me at all, which was a shame. So then the next week... What of, did it not have? What was so good about the original, or has games moved on? I think games have moved on, and I think that the problem was the original was all about getting your combos and collecting your letters and just finding you know how to do stuff in the particular level whereas gaming's not really like that anymore like gaming you hardly ever have a level that you just go out and do that level and then you move on to the next level anymore it's yeah i don't know it's very different but i don't think they did enough to make it a new game they basically just reskinned the original arcade game it wasn't a box game no so maybe that's why well it was 1,200 points, and I think if it was cheaper, it probably would have been good. And it's one of those things that if it goes on sale, I'll more than likely buy it. But for 1,200 points, it just... No. No. It didn't grab me enough. But then the other titles that were in this year's Summer of Arcade, they had Racketeer, which was a Connect game that yes. you actually played more of than me. All two minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's still two minutes more than I played. And that was just a, a general Connect, wave your arms around and make... Look the... like a dick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Control the catapult things by waving your arms about look yeah. like a dick. So it was like a Connect version of Angry Birds, but not as much fun. No. So that was a disappointment. And then they had Hybrid, which was a futuristic third-person hover, hover shooter, cover-based shooter mm. that kind of had potential, but again, just didn't really go anywhere. Now we are only going on the demos here. We haven't bought any of these. Yeah. So it may get better, but you think the demo they're going to put out a good bit to Ad- try and. Tease admittedly, you? though, the demo for Hybrid, they gave you the first level and they let you go online and try the online deathmatch. Again, it was something that maybe you'd buy if it was on special, but for, again, 1,200 points, which is about $15, $16 here in Australia, and just, I don't know, not enough to grab me. Especially when you can go out and buy a disc game for like $20. Mm. You get a longer, much yeah. longer game. And so the, the next title for this year's Winter of Arcade was Deadlight, which from all the reviews said would have been a great game if it was just that little bit longer. I said twice as long or half the price, yeah. basically, is what I've been hearing. Because it looks a bit shadow complex meets Limbo, sort of had the dark shadows, but it's not as dark as Limbo. But Yeah, it was it was like silhouette version of, of Shadow Complex, and it was your post-apocalyptic zombie outbreak sort of thing. Like, but then left to right. Yeah, run, a, run across the screen and platform combat sort of thing. And it, it's normally the sort of game that I would... I would play, but again, for 1,200 points, and from all the reviews that say it's a four-hour game, it's probably not just not value for money. And then the last title of this year's Winter of Arcade was Dust, and that's like your sort of cartoony left-to-right platform RPG, which looked a lot like Bastion, which was one of the games from last year's Summer of Arcade. I didn't even see this one. But, um, yeah, we were going to go through and do a big rundown of, of Summer of Arcade and what great games they were and, and stuff, but then we looked at the previous years, and out of the five previous years of Summer of Arcade, there's only really been one year that was that was a standout year, and that was 2009. Well, uh, I'll, I'll let you go on, because you've got a lot more to say about this, because out of that five years, we actually printed out a list going, oh, we'll talk about the previous years and say what we liked and what we didn't about previous years, which was the better. Now, I looked at the list of the five per year, so 25 games, I have bought one. (laughs) And that was Trials in 2009. That's the only game that has warranted me to get bothered buying the game. Yeah, well, well, 2009 was definitely the best year, because that was Marvel vs. Capcom 2, Shadow Complex... Explosion Man, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time Reshelled, and Trials HD. And of those five, the only one that I didn't buy was Turtles in Time. But by far, those four five games, four of those games I've really enjoyed. But then 
we did have this big idea that we'd download all the demos of this year's Summer of Arcade, and then we ended up just instead breezing through those demos and then playing the new demo for Transformers Fall of Cybertron. Which is awesome. Yes. Which I love War of, for Cybertron, and we've worked out that pretty much our genres, our favourite genre of games is the third-person action shooter. Yep. And Transformers is a third-person action shooter with transforming robots. Yeah. So it's awesome for me. I loved it. And this looks like an improvement. With the demo, you get to play two levels. One is a flying Decepticon and one is a Bumblebee. Yep. So you run around, you shoot, you fly, you drive, you do all these things. And the sound's amazing and you yeah. got all the voices back. And I actually did it when the wife was away one night. So I downloaded the demo. I cranked up the subwoofer and the surround sound. And every footstep is metal on metal. And every time you transform and move, it's just noise. And it's just fantastic. So I'm not, it's not immersive like the scary game that Alien was, but just like the world building because it was this new world with this sound and I was just like this is great and then they actually allow you to go online yeah well, it's a really good demo, and like it's it's almost a two gig download just for the demo. But it's worth it. It's it just gives you so much of the game. Obviously, they're banking on you playing and trying and buying. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I was like, oh, online? Can you go online with it? Because some demos show it there because it's almost like you download the full game and you unlock it. When well, you with buy. the arcade games, you you do pretty mm. much download the full game. So when it said online, it's like, oh, okay. I, normally, I wouldn't think you go on. You you're yeah. going to get a you know a, 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 a lock yeah. symbol saying you can't go online without buying the full game but it's sort of like okay what do you want to play best score or capture the flag it's like oh there's two options okay and I went on and because this was like literally the day it was released there were people playing it's like yeah that's kind of cool so I got my ass handed to me for a half hour but I had a ball running around and I did the odd kill every now and then I got very excited because these people have probably been playing for hours I'd like to hope they were yeah (laughs) Yeah, and then I played capture the flag for a while and I was there and helping teammates out and doing all that and I was like I can't wait and we say that we buy these $20 second hand games a lot I I am so tempted to be buying these new... Now, that's out now, so it is out. It's just like, how much is it? And admittedly, games are getting kind of cheaper in Australia at the moment. I think now that the dollars reach parity with American dollar, they've actually... Major retailers have finally decided to drop the price of games, whereas we were paying like $9,900 for a game. They've now dropped to around the $70 mark. And you hear America's about the $60. They always talk about the $60 for a AAA title. So 10 bucks more, I can live with that. Which is good really for us because when we were looking about how disappointing the winter of games, we actually realised that there's a lot of games coming out in the very near future that we're very excited about. Are we ever? Yes. Because <laughs> we sort of were putting a list, or you were putting a list together, and it's like, oh, so what game are we looking forward to? And it just got bigger. Yes. And it's like, oh, we are. We do like gaming, because for a while there, we were not, it's not that we weren't happy, we just got lost in that Borderlands thing, and we just weren't playing anything, I think nothing the problem new. Is that, yeah, there was nothing new that grabbed us that we played, we had to play. Skyrim one. came out a few months ago, and that wasn't for us. Well, it's almost a year ago now, Skyrim came Is it that long? Out. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, you, you've you played... I played Oblivion, Oblivion. back in the day. But so you're aware, but I think yeah, Medieval just doesn't work for me. Obviously, more for you. We discussed this a few times. I think you're more of a sci-fi person than a fantasy person. Yeah. So Oblivion yeah, didn't so, cut it for you? Well, oh. it wasn't really my game, I don't think. Okay. I, I'm more of your not-so-full-in-depth RPG person. Like, I, I'll quite like Fable, which is hold-your-hand RPG. It's not a... Mm throw you in the deep end and you have to do everything yourself whereas Skyrim is totally immersive and I can see that if I did play Skyrim I would probably lose myself for you know a long time almost as long as I did for Borderlands <laughs> but the last new release game I bought on on launch was Gears of War 3 and I was I was disappointed by it really it was a short game it didn't grab me as much as say Gears of War 2 did but that being said I'm now thinking I'm very much going to get Borderlands 2 on launch whereas before that I was thinking I'd wait a little while but just the excitement of the fact that you know this game that we've spent so long playing Borderlands 1 days yes (laughs) is now I think mine like nine and a half days worth of Borderlands 1 and the fact that I saw it in JB Hi-Fi pre-order for $69 with like some extra DLC and you know a token to download another character class when that gets released in the near future it's sort of it's very tempting very but on top of that like Borderlands 2 comes out in September we've got Transformers uh, Fall for Cybertron that's just been released this week and another game that you're very excited about that's been released this week is Dark Siders Dark Siders 2. 2, which is kind of medieval, so maybe I do. But it's based on Joe Madeira art. Like, I love Dark Siders 1, and it's it's very Dante's Inferno, Bayonetta, that sort of God of War, apparently, which yep. I've still never played, because I'm not a PlayStation 2 or 3 person. But they're very much a 
over the top. Like, the character design is awesome. Like I said, it's Joe Madera, who's a great comic artist. He designed everything in this game, all the characters. And it, it, it just looks cool. You had the art book before you had the game there, didn't you? I did. And I did. You've got it here right next to us where we're recording. So Yeah, I bought that from the States. Because like, I like his artwork like that much. Yeah. And when the game, I picked it up, it was like 30 bucks or something. And yeah. a friend of mine had played it and I sent him a text going, 30 bucks for Darkseid, is that alright? And he goes, do it. So yeah. okay. And it's a long game. I thought it was going to be short. It's probably longer than Bayonetta and Dante's. Yeah. So, and good puzzling. Like, it's good fighting and the character design's great and some of the boss bites are really good and some great puzzles. So it's clever. And we watched Good Game last night and there was a roof for Darksiders 2 and it's a bigger game again. Yeah. And they said it's nothing new. They're not redesigning, you know, they're not redefining a genre or anything, but what they do, they do well. And it's pretty. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. There's a lot of ads around on sides of buses and bus yeah, stops. It's like this is all out for weird it. considering I don't think it was that big a success when it first came out. I don't, no, I don't think it was either. But they're really pushing it. It's like, wow. I mean, they're obviously THQ are really pushing the game. And good on them. Hopefully it pays off for them and it sells well and we get more games either like this or from those people. Well, hopefully but, it does make some money for THQ because apparently they lost a bundle on that, like the tablet draw thing that they had. The draw something? No. You no. draw, I think it is, for, yes. for the for 360? Everything. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently they made... Quite a big loss on that, so hopefully because THQ have done some good games. Yes, they wrestling do. Games. Well, they do all the WWE games, so they've got a, a bit of a pedigree there. But kind of speaking of fighting games, September we've also got the release of Dead or Alive Five and Tekken Tag Tournament Two that I'm quite excited about both of those games. Because you're a big fighting fan. Yeah, and Dead or Alive Four was one of the games I got with my Xbox, and I think you've picked it up since for like two dollars or something. <laughs> so I probably haven't played, but. I think we played online, but my yeah, I had so much lag that you were bad. just kicking me and I wasn't even seeing it. <laughs> I've been a fan of the Dead or Alive series for quite a while, and the fact that Dead or Alive 5 is coming out has got me very excited. And They've got a couple of new characters, and they've also brought in, I think it's Akira from Virtual Fighter is going to be a character in it, so there's a bit of a crossover there. And, yeah, hopefully it will be as good as expected. I think that's something that I probably won't rush out and buy on release. I don't know, fighting games are a weird genre where even, say, a month after they get released, the price drops very dramatically because I think everyone gets online and gets good at it and then no one wants to play them anymore because you just get your ass handed to you the second you get online. Like, I bought Soul Calibur Five earlier in the year for... I think it was about 60 bucks, and you can buy that new now for 29 So, again, that might be something I could wait for. And same thing with Tekken Tag. Like, I've been a big Tekken fan, and Tekken going along was always PS exclusive. Like, it was only ever on the PlayStation. It wasn't on the Xbox. And then the last Tekken that they brought over, they brought over onto Xbox, but I haven't actually picked that up. I've been very tempted quite a few times to get that. But Will it get cheaper now with a new one out? It might. The other one I don't know. It's, it's still on Games On Demand for, like, twenty nine ninety five. And you see it occasionally in the shops for around that sort of price, but you don't see it secondhand all that often. Okay. So it's one of those things that if I do see it, I'll probably snap it up. But yeah. And other than that, we've also got coming in October, as we mentioned before, we've got Lego Lord of the Rings, which someone like told has 85 playable characters in oh, it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. They're all orcs. No, <laughs> exactly. So that, that might be good, and I'm a big fan of the Lego game, so I'll probably pick that one up. And unlike the Harry Potter movies, I have actually seen the Lord of the Rings movie, so might the story might make some, may, may mean something to me. You might get three or four endings, depending on how Oh, exactly. Sure. Well, the sense of humour in the Lego games are quite good. They generally take the piss in a fun way yep. of the movie, so they actually might take the piss out of the endings and have characters fall asleep or get bored halfway yeah. through. Well... It probably means it's going to be a long game, which is good value for money. Mm. Definitely long movies. They were. A lot of story to tell. It's weird, though, because in like your Lego Star Wars and stuff, you can kind of see where the levels fit into the movie, and you can kind of see good start and end points for levels. Whereas Lord of the Rings, really, there's no like set little pieces, I don't think. It's going to be hard to see how they would do it. But I'm oh, looking forward to they'll that. They'll use the movies. Yeah, of course they will. But that would be good. And then Far Cry 3 comes out in November. Yes, which mixed feelings about Far Cry. I love Far Cry 2. I made you buy Far Cry 2. Yeah. And you got to finish it. Yes. Because <laughs> I think we discussed it on here. I'm not sure. But yeah. Mine glitched at 70-something percent, which upset me because I was enjoying it and I really wanted to finish it. But it pretty much was the same game from the first hour as it was to the 16th hour. There was no real change in gameplay. It was drive around, get malaria, shoot somebody. <laughs> 
drive around, get malaria, shoot someone. So I pretty much got the concept of what the next, you know, 19% of the game or whatever was going to yep. be, but I would have liked to have been rewarded for <laughs> yep. the hours of gameplay that I put in to see the credits, but I, it's okay. I think I, I can The ending it. was a little bit disappointing, though, mm. because the whole idea of Far Cry 2 was the playing off two warring factions in Africa, and in the end you met the big warlord that was also like selling all the weaponry to everybody and then when you met him it was just anticlimactic really did you kill him i can't remember if you did i don't yeah you do and then you kind of just slip into the crowd and then it just finishes okay but barkai 3 is set pacific island sort of area so it's a bit like just cause still got malaria I'm not sure if you have or not, but apparently it's you trying to escape the islands and the inhabitants on these islands. I just really enjoyed the gameplay. So if it's more of the same with, you know, next, not next gen, but, you know, a couple of years of extra technology and what they've learned from gaming on, I'm keen to give it a go. But um, now speaking of character class based games as well, we've got Brothers in Arms Furious 4 that's coming out. Which I knew nothing about until I saw a trailer on a website. And it's like, by the same guys who did Borderlands. Yeah, so it's Gearbox Software that made the game, whereas 2K, I think, distribute Borderlands, whereas okay. this isn't 2K that's, oh, okay. that's distributing this. Because we talked about this off-air, and we were saying it's weird that they would release two games that are fairly similar in quick succession, but they have bumped back Furious 4 to early next year. It was meant to come out this Hopefully year. Hopefully, because it's so good, they want to give it Borderlands a run before yeah. it comes out. Because, essentially, I mean, it's... it's Good graphics, but quite cartoony. In They're not same. realistic like a Call of Duty, but it's a World War Two shooter like Borderlands in the fact that you have four class systems. So you've got like character classes. Character classes. The t- it's like Inglorious Bastards, the game, from what the trailer can get, but with a really good sense of humour. You've got yeah. a sort of like the guy with the explosives, the guy with the sniper, the guy with the shotgun. And I think and there was a, an Indian guy with a knife or something as well. A tomahawk or something. Yeah, a tomahawk. Yeah. So essentially you're killing Nazis with a smile on your face. And But if it's anything like Borderlands and what they've done with the class system, character classes, yeah. hopefully it, it'll be a really fun game to play. So yeah. at the moment the trailer's got nothing to tell you about gameplay, but it really sucked me in. And I had to show you. I was yeah, like, it, was, it was a good trailer. So I was like, yeah, cool. And then they had the date, like September, and we watched this three months ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh. But yeah, now it's been bummed back. Yeah, more on that next year. Yeah. But it, it just goes to show that we can get excited about new games. Like, everyone raves about how there's a new Call of Duty coming out, but that really means nothing to us. No. Because we're, we're not the sort of people that are going to jump online day one and, you know, be competitive. Mm-hmm. But no, that's, that's, you know, a list there of things that we're excited about. There's probably more on the horizon after that that we haven't even games we don't know about yeah knock our socks off that we weren't even expecting but it gives us something to think about anyway yes well that's probably a good place to wrap up this month we've raved on quite a bit as usual and I we think have. yeah we've covered a few good topics there so thanks for listening catch you next time uh, uh. I gotta go gotta go before I do something stupid I gotta go I gotta go gotta go if you have any feedback for the show, you can reach us on Twitter at DMA Podcast, or you can send us an email to Podcast at gmail.com. Look for us on iTunes as the Massive Attack Podcast, or look at our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.